0: You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. Yeah! The return of the Mac, a much-anticipated game between the Oakland Raiders and Chicago Bears. The Khalil Mack Bowl, the first game uh, between the Raiders and Bears since the trade for Khalil Mack. And, as anticipated, it was a celebration, but not for the Chicago Bears. Oakland Raiders get the victory 24-21. After starting out the game punching the Bears in the mouth and continually punching them in the mouth all game long. This was supposed to be validation for Khalil Mack and Chicago Bears that they won the trade. Instead it was validation for John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. This was supposed to be a ceremony as the Raiders were sacrificed up at the altar for Khalil Mack to feast on. You can go ahead and compare this to the Red Wedding, a coronation that didn't go according to plan. A meal in your honor, only to find out that you're the meal. It's a Twilight Zone situation. Cleo Mack comes in, expecting to get his revenge. It's the Cleo Mack revenge game. Here he comes, been waiting two years for this, been talking about it. And then the reality sets in that you're not the one getting revenge. It's John Gruden and the Raiders getting revenge. Khalil Mack came to London with a lot to say about the Raiders. Basically, a lot of threats about what he was going to do and how he couldn't wait to play this team. Khalil Mack left the UK without even saying a word. Would not talk to reporters. Now, we love Khalil Mack, but finding out some news that, you know, even before the game, that he didn't even want to be here. He didn't want to play for John Gruden. Okay, fine. That makes victory a lot sweeter. This is New Era Nation. And to Raider Nation and anyone else listening, uh, welcome in to episode 11. And we're going to talk about the Raiders' victory over the Bears and some other things we'll get into. But last week, last pod, I uh, was a little sick. So it things didn't go as well as I would have liked last week. Things were delayed and didn't come out at all. I'm um, on a one man show over here, I've said in the past, made jokes about it. Uh, I feel like that guy on Tool playing all the instruments, uh, laying it all down, recording it, mixing it, and putting it out there. So if I'm not 100%, um, it's not going to get done, that's just how it is. And hopefully at some point in the future, that changes, I know there's millions out there, millions and millions supporting the, the movement, the pod. Okay. And uh, hopefully the pod grows like this team's going to grow. And isn't a lovely morning? Yes, yes. It's a very lovely morning, Sheriff. Uh, good to see you once again. Uh, especially on mornings after big victories like this. What a game. What a win. Like I said, Raiders win 24-21. And if you're not excited about this, what's it going to take? This team is showing you. Like I said, they would. They're showing you their identity, what they're going to be about. So let's break it down. Five weeks in, and the Raiders are starting to show what kind of team they're going to become. They are establishing their identity. And you now see a bunch of the media uh, latching on to this. But they've been doing it. After the loss in week two, the beginning or week three, in Minnesota, beginning of the road trip, I had said that the Raiders would continue to grow and bounce back from that loss and you would see improvement every week and that's what's been happening and i felt this road trip was was necessary that way um on during these five games it's almost a training camp feel where these guys are together it's only them and it brings the team it it has the ability to bring the team closer which it did and i believe on the other side of this road trip you would have a a tougher physically strong team and that's what they are developing into. That's the kind of identity they're getting. Physical, smash-mouth football. Old school in a way. But it's a complete football team. A versatile football team that can run, that can pass, that can use wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. And the mainstream media is starting to catch on. You're starting to see articles now. The Raiders need to be taken seriously. They're developing an identity. The league must now take notice. Why, because you guys said so? We knew this was coming. I don't think I'll ever get over the fact that these mainstream media guys making all this money don't know a damn thing about my football team. I believe I know more about my team and I have more knowledge about my team. I do it for free now, but I feel I should be getting paid by somebody. I'ma kill somebody if somebody don't make me real rich to shit, to shit. To- anyway, but this this gauntlet, this trial the Raiders are going through right now, just might be stealing themselves for a playoff run. Not it's it's no longer funny. It's not a laughing situation. Um being realistic, I believe this team's still a year away from serious contention. But what we are seeing is this team is still playing hard and still is and is well coached. And can make a run. They might not do a lot of damage, but they can make they can make a run to the playoffs. And this game was so huge because what it showed is physical toughness against one of the toughest defenses, if not the best defense in the league. Mental toughness against everything you had to go through in that football game, and developing consistency with it, which is now the second week they've taken out a top, a really good physical football team. And what did the Raiders go through in this game, you may be asking? Well, let me tell you. Well, first off, they came prepared to play. And we talked about the extra time, you know, the change in in routine coming to England. And I want to get into a little bit more of that later. But they came out ready to play, punching the Bears in the mouth, and dominating them for the entire first half, going into halftime with a 17-0 lead. The problem was the second half, um, when Derek Carr tried to flip a pitch, Back to Josh Jacobs early in the third quarter. The problem is the uh, football was like it was shot out of a cannon, a bazooka. The football flew back about 40 yards, um, and Josh Jacobs semi-tried to get the ball, and the Bears ended up recovering it. Khalil Mack, of course, recovered it. And that switched all momentum to the Bears' side. And the 17 nothing lead vanished away. Three quick scores in the third quarter. Now, all of a sudden, the Raiders are down 21-17. Now, all of a sudden, the Raiders are going in for a drive, and Trevor Davis fumbles it at the goal line. The Raiders get nothing. The Bears get it on their own one, expecting to hold them, and Robinson makes a miraculous catch, keeping that drive alive. I believe on a previous drive, Maurice Hurst had pressured Chase Daniel uh, into throwing an interception but was hit with a bogus roughing the passer call, and that interception was taken away. There was much adversity for the Raiders to deal with in this football game, and they overcame it all. The one final piece of adversity, after stopping the Bears near midfield and preventing them from adding to the lead, was getting the ball at their own three-yard line, being faced with a 97-yard drive to take the lead. And that drive started out with a massive Josh Jacobs power run off the right side for like 15 yards but seemed to come to a dead stop as the Raiders punted on went fourth, fourth down and six yards to go. But the one bit of luck for the Raiders, the Bears ran into the kicker. It was a five-yard penalty, thus making it fourth and one. The Raiders would go for it on fourth and one with a sneak play up the middle by Eric Harris, and Eric Harris would extend and get the first down. But as his arm hit the ground, the ball would pop out, and of course, the refs, being as shitty as they are, acted like this is all normal, and let the Bears have it, and act like it was a fumble, and return it to wherever the hell they returned it. What is this amateur hour? This is the NFL. It's supposed to be professionals. Do your damn job correctly. This, that is high school bullshit. You know that's not a fumble, and you let the play carry on, like you were going to get away with screwing the Raiders. This shit is just too stupid and obvious. I'm getting sick of it, too. So the Raiders rightfully keep the ball because they didn't fumble it and continue on their drive till they score a touchdown and take the lead back 24-21. They faced again with one more Chase Daniels comeback attempt with about two minutes left and they get the interception. Executed perfectly, they didn't get a first down but they drained enough off the clock and with eight seconds left were able to put the game away. And uh, this is a lot harder than it seems these days. The Broncos were put in the same situation and could not put the Bears away. Honestly, right now, the Bears should have one win and four losses. They should have the exact same record as the Denver Broncos. Sorry, excuse me, I meant the um, San Diego Chargers. They should be two and three. And a game like this is just a you know, peeking in the window what a Raider fan goes through in his life every single emotion in that game is what raider fans go through every game and none of you have to deal with the refs like we do it is ridiculous and i believe there's a study out and this is why most raider fans die at the age of uh 30 years old because of heart problems and that excitement that you get when the team's playing so well you know um offensively defensively there were a lot of guys that made this victory happen. Let's take a look at the defensive side. Let's start there. Overall, defensively, that was dominant. Yeah, I know Garyon Conley got treated like DJ. Looked like DJ Hayden out there again. As Allen Robinson treated him like his little five-year-old son in the backyard. Just catching balls all around him left and right. Allen Robinson didn't make some impressive catches. But still, come on, Garyon Conley. I'm saying your name and DJ Hayden's name. Too many times in the same sentence. You got the pick at the end, but that's not good enough. So don't think we didn't notice that. Everything isn't all gravy. There's some things to fix. But we're focusing on what they did do well. Very well. Defensively, overall, four sacks is a great day. We'll take that any day. Four sacks. Last year, we had a guy that had four sacks, and it took him the whole year to get there. As a team, getting four sacks in one game is a big improvement over what we had last year. And yeah, we're still trending towards the bottom of the league, but we're not going to be dead last 17 sacks behind the next, you know, lowest team. And they were able to keep, you know, get good pressure consistently on Chase Daniels throughout the day, forcing him into some bad throws. Chase Daniels had two interceptions. He actually should have had three. And as I touched on earlier, the refs absolutely cheated the Raiders out of an interception with a fabricated roughing the passer call, taking the ball away from the Raiders, giving it back to the Bears, and letting them continue their drive. And even though Allen Robinson went off for two touchdowns and almost 100 yards, uh, as a whole, the Bears only passed for 231 total yards and two touchdowns. And we had three pass rushers out there that were providing consistent pressure, Maurice Hurst, Arden Key, and Max Crosby. Max Crosby came through with his first sack as he continues to show that he's a playmaker and doesn't quit on plays. He keeps going. And Max Crosby is looking more and more like a steal in the fourth round. A gem. There might be questions about where Cleland Farrell was drafted in the first round. But Max Crosby in the fourth is an absolute steal. This guy's got first, second round talent. And a welcome back to Benson Benson Mayowa, who added another sack to his total. He's now four and a half. So the Raiders are providing a decent pass rush out there. And we can't say enough about the move to Eric Harris from Curtis Riley. It's really solidified the secondary and will help them continue to grow instead of worrying about problems that they can never fix every week. It's a, to- it's a totally different world out there off of one change. And Curtis Riley, he should stick on special teams where he made a great play. And I know he's a defensive back. I know he's a defensive back. But the only place I don't want them on the field, the only time I don't want them on the field, is when the offense is on the field throwing the football. Look, I know you're safety. I know you're safety. But I'm only going to ask you one thing on this football team. Don't ever play safety. Other than that, you're good. Um, chase down punt returns and kick returns, please. But, you know, other than that, you know, do your thing. As long as your thing involves... Um, cheering from the sideline. And we've gone over Gary On Conley's disappointment. And now let's go over LaMarcus Joyner's disappointment. What is going on with this guy? I don't know what to make of LaMarcus Joyner's play right now. Hopefully he's just adapting, finding his way in this scheme, finding his niche. So overall, this pass defense has improved and it's affected the run defense in ways. But One of the first changes they made was switching to a nickel base, taking out a linebacker, adding a defensive back. and That helped a lot, only using two linebackers when only four were on the roster, and being able to use your resources out of the defensive backs. This helped the Raiders' defense by letting them be quicker to the ball, being able to be more versatile, covering more receiving options, and have more sideline-to-sideline quickness. And tracking all these crossing underneath patterns and stuff like that number two was replacing curtis riley with eric harris that allowed the the defense to have a baseline consistency that they can build off of without trying to cover mistakes and worry about mistakes being made over and over again by the same person every week number three the final change this change was forced upon the raiders by vantes perfect himself and further exasperated by the NFL for extending his suspension for the whole year. What the NFL thought was a screw job was actually helping the Raiders, benefiting the Raiders. Out goes Perfect, who had all the knowledge of the system and could read plays and get guys in position. And in comes Nicholas Moreau, who doesn't have knowledge of the system, who's, I believe this is his third year in the league, doesn't have a whole lot of starting time except for last year got quite a few starts in but he brings the athletic ability superior speed and athletic ability which Vontez Burfett did not have so now you can send Moreau out to cover tight ends which he has the ability to do much like Neuron Ball rest in peace and frees up Carl Joseph to do what he does best which is seek and destroy anything coming out of the backfield or anything sneaking across the middle underneath so, the NFL tried to put the screws to the Raiders and have a big laugh. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 Actually ended up helping us out a lot. So, big shout out and thank you to the offices out there. And uh, change John Runyon out all you want. If you hear about this, they're switching out John Runyon to put in Derek Brooks to oversee Vontae's Burfix uh, appeal. And why would you do that? Oh, maybe for the simple fact that you can't have the human missile overseeing an appeal when he's one of the and he's 10 times dirtier than fonte's perfect ever was and gotta love the old hey we found some more video evidence of him hitting you know with the legal hits that weren't called there was no flag or penalty for but we just found some and we're gonna add them to the case very legitimate operation you guys got going over there the mob would be very proud So those changes to the past defense made a tremendous difference. Those changes that took place after the Minnesota game two games ago are starting to transform this defense into something formidable. You might say, well, I don't see a big difference in the defense. And I'll say to you, you're a complete idiot. Others might say, slow down, buddy. It's only been two games. Two games so far. The change happened two games ago, and I looked for... The sample size to continue and be consistent with what we found so far. So let's look into the stats of the pass defense in the past two games. Versus the Bears, Chase Daniels passed for 231 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Versus the Colts, Jacoby Brissett passed for 265 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Over those two games, that's an average of 248 passing yards a game which would put them at number 16 in the league, which is an average middle-of-the-pack pass defense. But where they have been at is in the 22 to 25 range. So that's a huge improvement, pass defense-wise. And they've also, in the past two weeks, gathered three interceptions and returned one for a touchdown. The one negative... Uh, the past two weeks, has been they have allowed five touchdown passes. And we've talked about the guys that are playing badly in the secondary, but let's also talk about the guys who have been playing well in the secondary. Darrell Worley. Darrell Worley has done great. Eric Harris and Carl Joseph have all done great jobs out there. And Keyshawn Nixon had a touchdown-saving tackle on a return by Tariq Cohen. So that's the past defense, past two games, 248 yards allowed, which is good for 16, four sacks, three interceptions, and a touchdown. Big improvement. But what really shines on this football team, on this defense, is the run defense. These guys are shaping up to have a great run defense, and if they keep it up at this pace, they'll have a very special run defense, and the best in the league. hear Whitehead has proved adept at wearing the green dot. I think he's gleaned all the knowledge he needed from Vontae's perfect, all the tips he can to accelerate him uh, calling the plays on this defense. The defensive ends are, are providing some pressure during pass rush, and they are also helping the run defense tremendously by setting that edge, which helps support the anchors of this defense the interior linemen Jonathan Hankins, PJ Hall, Maurice Hurst, and Corey Legit. These guys are playing at a high level right now and blowing up offensive lines. They are destroying plays for they even start and look unblockable on just about every run play. And the stats for the past two games are off the charts right now. Let's take a look. This last game, they gave up 42 yards of rushing at 2.47 yards a carry. That's not even 2.5 yards a carry. And in the past two games, they've given up an average of 56.5 rushing yards. Good for number one by almost three yards. They've given up an average per carry of 2.82 yards, which is also good for number one. What this is saying is the run defense the past two games is performing at the highest level possible, better than any run defense out there, including the Chicago Bears. And the two-game average on defense a total is 304.5 yards a game, which would put them... At number six in the league, right behind, yep, the Chicago Bears. Now, is this sustainable? To some extent, yes, they've shown that they can sustain some of this. I believe this team can finish with a top five rush defense and a top 15 defense overall, maybe even top 10. And yes, I know, the Bears offense is pathetic. Their line isn't that good. But the Colts' offensive line is one of the best, and their offense isn't pathetic. It's tough and physical. So the next step for this defense's continued improvement is to maintain the consistency of play at this high level. And looking at the offensive side, as usual, I'll start with Derek Carr. He's continuing to impress. He's showing everything that I want to see out of the quarterback position, as I've talked about from day one on this podcast. Was I hard on Carr in weeks two and three? Hell yeah, I was hard on Carr. You need to play better than that. He'll be the first one to tell you that. But I'm not gonna sit here and dump the quarterback. I still believe in the guy. And he's made me look smart just by playing the way that we know Derek Carr can play. Some people have gone too far. They can't come back. I'm sorry you can't enjoy the victory because you've been busy destroying Carr and saying he should be replaced by Colin Kaepernick. He's had some bad games We've got to stay the course. We've seen what we needed to see. I mean, if you think about it logically, we've seen Carr's ability, what he can do. We know John Gruden, working with John Gruden is going to help him be a better quarterback. We just had to have the patience to watch it, you know, unfold. It's just sad that some of you out there just want to continue to bash Carr and have to look for things that he did wrong or that you perceive he did wrong In a victory over the Bears. Is this where you want to be in life? This is a big turning point for the franchise. For the John Gruden, Derek Carr era. This is a turning point. For the foreseeable future. Unless they act like they won the Super Bowl. And take a deep breath and take the rest of the season off. And then get smoked in Green Bay in two weeks. But yeah, Derek Carr was doing great out there. Showing how good of a quarterback he is. Taking care of the ball audibles, great throws, executing those great play calls, and not losing composure completely. Not losing composure completely. After what looked like a collapse, getting the team together, rallying them, and leading another fourth quarter comeback, adding to his 16. So is comeback car back? I don't know. What I expected to see and what I am seeing are starting to match up. High completion percentage by making the safe throw, not necessarily the checkdown. He takes care of the ball by not making stupid throws, different arm angles, uh, heads up play on Mac, cheesing him out of a sack. Extra cheesy move by Derek Carr, on moves that we used to get mad at when they would cheese Derek, when they would cheese Khalil Mack out of a sack. Look forward to it on this day. And Darren Waller dropped a throw that was going for big, big yards, at least 50. Maybe possibly all the way for a touchdown. And Carr was efficiently and effectively moving the offense pretty much all game long. With a receiver who never started in his four years and two rookie wide receivers to add to that. Go along with an exceptional tight end and another tight end who is also a rookie. These guys are showing out and playing well, but this is what Carr had to work with, and he was moving the ball on the Bears. Let's put all that in perspective. He's doing a good job, utilizing just about every receiving option he had on the roster. He is becoming more Rich Gannon-like, but make no mistake, Carr is not doing any of this without huge support from Josh Jacobs in the run game. And from what I've seen so far, Josh Jacobs in his rookie year, he is an amazing football player. And it looks like he has a chance to become something real special, a really special running back. Definitely the player of the game. Career high, 123 yards and two touchdowns. And banging out tough yard after tough yard. This guy would hit a pile, hit contact, and still get a yard or two extra every single time. Not one negative run play yesterday from Josh Jacobs. Can't say enough about him. Been very impressed. He's a mismatch everywhere. Special runner, he can cut. He can juke, he can run you over, he can hit the pile and move it. And that ability after every hit to get a yard or two more, it's like a special power. It's incredible to watch. I can't explain to you how nice it is to see Josh Jacobs in a Raider uniform. We're watching a special back. Ran for 123 on the Bears, the most allowed by any single rusher by the Bears uh, this year, easily the most rushing yards by rookie through five games in franchise history, surpassing the great Marcus Allen. And Marcus Allen was the running back I grew up watching, and he was great. And He was just smooth. He just made plays and scored touchdowns. And He was also a great receiver. He would hit that pile and just slither for another few yards and hit that goal line on the dive and slither through or over, just glide over the pile into the end zone. So they're very similar in those ways. getting those extra yards in the pile, Jacob's is more of a smasher into the pile, but he can still slither through the pile. And the main difference is, Marcus Allen was long, and Jacobs is all that. is all of that put into a small, compact battering ram size. It's basically how I can explain it. And both Carr and Jacobs are able to perform because of the job the offensive line did on Sunday. Maybe they're the MVPs of the game. They did fantastic in both pass protection and run blocking. Not being scared of the Bears, as a matter of fact, getting pissed off. And saying, these Bears aren't as great as everyone thinks. We're going to show you. We're going to punch them in the mouth and see what they got. That's exactly what Richie Incognito said. We punched these guys in the mouth. They're doing a lot of talking on that first drive. We punched him in the mouth. After that first drive, they weren't doing any talking anymore. And that's the kind of potential our offensive line has. You want to talk about smash mouth? You want to talk about punching people in the mouth and them shutting up? And then you have Mark Schlerer talking about thunder punching someone in the throat. And I'm telling you, this is the first time I have watched the Chicago Bears on film. Get Thunder Punched in the throat. I mean, the, the Raiders, this is a strength-on-strength strength matchup, and the Raiders are playing bully so far in this game. Love that soundbite. Mark Schlereth is one of my favorites. I love hearing him announce a game. It's even sweeter when he's, a, when he's heaping praise on the Raiders. It was beautiful. And his partner, Dick Stockton, too. I've been listening to Dick Stockton since the Lakers' 80s finals. Even though I think Dick Stockton's vision's going a little bit, he's talking about, you know, four yard gains and the guy obviously gained like a yard. You know, let's get back to what the Raiders' O was doing to the Bears. It might as well have been playing Monopoly because our offensive line was owning the Bears' defense. This, you know, when you see this live during the game, it's a revelation. It's telling you a lot of things. It's telling you what this offense is really capable of. Of what this line is capable of. What it's telling us is they are capable of blocking anybody in the NFL. And this is why I wanted Incognito on the team. Is he a little crazy? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But he will set the tone as far as meanness, toughness. You know, getting a little scrappy and dirty in there. He got a penalty call on him, which I'm sure there are a lot out there who are, you know, See, see, see? Look, he's just like Antonio Brown and Bonte's perfect. Look at him. Just cost us a field goal. Those kind of people I should probably watch, uh, I don't know, tennis, maybe the WNBA. Stay away from football. Stay away. Because one thing Richie Incognito was out there doing was establishing the tone. You know what he got a penalty for? Uh, doing a block, and then as he was getting up, he pushed a Bears defender in the head. I have no problem with that. None at all. You know what that's saying? Yeah, we own you, punk. You ain't going to sit here and come and intimidate us. We're going to own this trench. This is ours. And if you got a problem with me pushing you in the head, stop me from pushing you in the head. Do something. It's the kind of attitude and tone we needed set. And an extension of that are the tight ends and our old fullback, Alex Ingold. Not enough said about this kid. A rookie, another rookie. But man, is he a vicious blocker. Keith Smith was a veteran fullback and a good one. But he lost his job this year to a rookie. And now we're seeing why. This rookie is vicious. He is a devastating fullback. All these guys working together helped clear the way for Josh Jacobs and the whole running game to the tune of 169 yards. Helped clear the way for the passing game, allowing zero sacks by that vaunted Bears defense. No sacks. And nary a pressure. I think we got one, they got one pressure on Derek Carr. And most of the time, he had time to make the throws. And they cleared the way in the run game for, to the tune of 169 yards at a 4.3 average. The Bears at the time were only allowing 61 yards a game, rushing. You must be joking. At less than 3 yards a carry. The Raiders blew that out by over 100 yards. The 169 yards was the most rushing yards allowed by the Chicago Bears since Khalil Mack arrived, and it's the most allowed going back to 2017. I can't stress how dominating a performance it was by the offensive line against two very good defenses, and a really, really good one in the Bears and a pretty good one in the Colts, and also for the defensive line dominating those offensive lines. So our defense and offensive lines, MVPs of the team right now, the backbone. We cannot do anything without them. And all this was of course put together, planned and orchestrated by none other than John Gruden. I better fucking execution. And you got better ex- fucking execution, didn't you? There's some great play calls out there. Scatter to west, right, tight. What was that? Just go scatter to west, right, tight. F left. Slant, zap. <laughs> Christ, just go scatter to west right, tight, F left, 372, Y stick, Z spot. Sorry, John. Christ. Okay, so all this was according to John Gruden's plan. Exactly as I planned. (laughs) Showing how you can neutralize Mac and why he wasn't worth the money for the Raiders. And it's not like Gruden's the only coach that can game plan take Mack out of a football game. It's been done plenty of times by great offensive coordinators. So with a great offensive game plan and coaching, you can take Khalil Mack out of the game plan and render all that talent and skill useless. And I know these thoughts pass through your mind as a football coach, but I really wonder, I wonder if most of John Gruden's decision was formed the night he announced the Raiders versus Eagles on Monday night football and watch Lane Johnson basically shut out Khalil Mack for that game. He's probably thinking, man, this dude's coming up for a big money contract and I'm watching him getting taken out of the game by Lane Johnson. And come playoff time, the chances of him being taken out by the game plan increase. So I believe at that time, most of the decision was formed then. Because of the amount of money for the, you know, the way they could take you out of the plan, out of the game, it just didn't add up. So fast forward to Sunday, and we know Gruden's been, got plenty of game plans for how to take Khalil Mack out of the game. Gruden puts the plan into effect perfectly, making it look easy and dominating the rest of the Bears defense in the process. So much for that vaunted Bears D. So much for the Bears winning the trade. Both teams, three and two. And so much for Khalil Mack, them getting the better player in Khalil Mack. Zero impact on the game. The guy we used with the pick that we got for Khalil Mack, 123 yards, two touchdowns. So for the Raiders' new business model, when John Gruden took over, Khalil Mack doesn't fit into the plans. But on a team like the Bears, with a strong defense, a lot of great defensive personnel, and a cheap quarterback, he does very much fit into the plans. William Mack on a defense like that, is a crown jewel piece. He is the, the all-star piece on a, great, on a great unit. So for them, it made sense. And right now, seeing John Gruen's vision, starting to become more clear. What we're doing is starting to make a lot of sense. So the Raiders now, with a 3-2 record, sit in second place in the AFC West all by themselves. Looking at the rest of the division, the Chiefs are now four and one. The Chargers are two and three, and the Broncos are one and four. Broncos got their first victory of the season against the Chargers, knocking them out of second place, helping us get into second place. And there's no love for John Elway, but I'm not one to look to gift horse in the mouth. Whatever the hell that means. Can someone explain to me what the hell that even means? That win wasn't too hard to see coming. The Chargers are beat down, weakened. They have some sort of injury curse going on over there. And they've lost three out of five games to begin this season. They may have the shortest window of all time. It's really closing quickly. So Broncos get their first win at the expense of the Chargers, which is the only way I would accept the Broncos win. And the Chiefs get their first loss, losing to the Colts. The Colts team we beat last week. Now, the easy thought on this is the Colts were angry about losing last week to the lowly Raiders. got refocused so they can exercise that demon by beating the Chiefs on prime time in front of the world. And they succeeded and gave the Chiefs their first loss. So, it was last week an anomaly? I don't think so. It wasn't a fluke. The Chiefs couldn't move the ball at will versus that zone. But the main reason is because is they couldn't run the ball and they abandoned the run game became one-dimensional. The reason the Raiders beat the Colts is because they have a physical run game and a great run defense. They pounded that defense and they shut down Marlon Mack. And that isn't a fluke because it's been reaffirmed this week. We're doing the same thing to the Bears. If we had a rematch with the Colts they would have extra motivation but the Raiders will always have the ability to beat that team and several other good teams as long as they run the football and can stop the run. Those two things combined Still hold true to this day in a past happy league. Okay? Alright. So, oh yeah, OJ. I've just recently discovered, and I might be late on this, OJ, OJ's tweets about Groot and Antonio Brown situation. Who was talking about you? Really, OJ? Come on. Come on! Here it is. Hello, Twitter world, yours truly. All the conversation is about Montez Perfect. Well, you know, I was at my usual Sunday morning haunt with some of my fantasy league mates, and we saw the play as it happened, and we all agreed almost immediately that he was going to get kicked out the game. And prop. When you think about what some of the older players are going through today with um, CTE and uh, diminished mental capacity, but it's a different game today. I'm a little. Uh, uh, critical of some of the ticky tack calls, but hits like that, which epitomize what the league doesn't want, should be punished. What about the Raiders, though? Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, Vontez Burfict, who's making that decision? I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Coach Gruden assured everybody in the organization that he could handle those guys. Not. <laughs> Shut up! Wow. Well, in honor of the not phrase, I guess, we're bringing in Borat to help us along with that. Not! For those that don't know, not was a diss or burned used back in the day um, in 1995. Coincidentally enough, this was before OJ went to prison for being a murderous, head-severing maniac. So keep that in perspective. OJ gets out of jail... And it's still basically 1995 to him. Little editor's note, um, OJ didn't actually go to jail for the murders he committed. He went to jail later on for some other dumb shit he did, which was basically karma and a mulligan redo for letting him go for murdering two people. And also in the 90s, along with Not, I believe was also when the original Ginsu Knife infomercial came out the sharp knives commercial ginsu's were the original they could cut through anything pipes tires houses motorhomes you know and and an apple or a nail something like that and uh, they can also apparently cut through neck bones make no mistake about what kind of human being this is after he got away with murder he decided to go to Vegas And steal memorabilia from somebody. And claimed it was his. And he brought two goons along with him. It's like a bad comic book villain. Man, you come right out of a comic book. So he went to jail for that. Karma, man. Didn't learn his lesson. Like you just get away. You get away with murder. I'm pretty sure you probably feel you can get away with anything. That's where the term comes from. He is getting away with murder. And there's a lot of people out there defending OJ. And how stupid are these people? How stupid are you? Has the time limit for talking trash, talking shit to a murderer run out? Is there a 20-something year time limit on that? Where you can no longer talk crap to someone who murdered people? What's a precedent for that? Precedent for that. Oh yeah, there is none. You go to jail for life for that. But not OJ. And these idiots out here saying, Oh, that's enough. You guys leave him alone about that. Oh, hashtag creep. We're the creeps? (laughs) Not. We're the creeps. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't ruin anybody's family or their lives. That guy's a creep. He's beyond a fucking creep. And no one should give a crap about what a murderer has to say. But unfortunately, it's just another reminder of how many brainless followers there are out there. And trying to tell me that these tweets are no longer funny not. oh it's old not. is it old is it not funny i think i'll be the judge of that let's take a look at some of these tweets okay let's look on here john good and not oh here's a picture a video of a guy going to his kitchen sink and grabbing a knife and then walking to what I believe is his wife here's an interesting tweet before the murders and downward spiral Juice was an NBC analysis and he's great at it too networks just ain't ready for the backlash from sponsors though and they shouldn't be we should never be ready for the backlash of sponsors from a fucking murderer let's make that very clear should never accept murder no matter how long it's passed. Oh, here's one. Hey, Juice, I think the punishment fit the crime. Not. Not. Oh, O.J. I completely agree. John Gruden is stabbing all Raider fans in the back. <laughs> here's another one. I miss the days when you could... <laughs> I miss the days when you could bludgeon somebody and get away with it. The NFL is screwed up. Here's another good one. Back in my day hold on. Back in my day, kill a couple of people on Thursday, you'd be able to play on Sunday. (laughs) Not surprised OJ had to speak out against Burfick's hit. It must have been the worst violence he's ever seen. Yeah, I'm sure. Here's a nice one. You may have been surprised Burfick got a long suspension, but the world was surprised you got away with murder. He cut straight to the bone. Killer analysis. Classic bot joke, OJ. Anyway, my wife is cheating on me with the gardener. Any tips on how to take care of this? Guys just can't get away with killing people like they did in the old days, huh, Juice? I was with my buds Sunday at our old stomping ground. And we all agreed, OJ is a murderer. Almost took his head off with that hit, Juice. Am I right? Huh? Ooh, a dancing guy with a knife and an OJ head. Hitting us with the... Like you went to jail for murder in the 90s and just got out. People are getting killed out there, Juice. (laughs) Ooh, an OJ innocent or guilty poll. OJ 100% guilty. One voter. The Juice, as usual, giving cutting-edge commentary. Ooh, a gif of a pair of very sharp-looking knives. You might want to check those out, OJ. Uh, Murdering your ex-wife is a completely normal way of dealing with your jealousy. Everyone believes you didn't chop their heads off (laughs) looking for the real killers. And last but not least, my personal favorite... Hi, OJ. Can you give me some fantasy football advice? I started Dalvin Cook, and he didn't do much the first two weeks, but then he exploded for 20 points. Should (laughs) Okay, let's try this over again. Cannot ruin the punchline on this one, right. Hi, OJ. Can you give me some fantasy football advice? I started (laughs) Dalvin... Can you give me some fantasy football advice? I started Dalvin Cook, and he didn't do much the first two weeks, but then exploded for 20 points. Should I murder my wife with a knife? And there it is, lazy gentlemen. If Twitter's good for one thing, it's at least this. At the very least, you should suffer with these the rest of your life, OJ. At the very least. Because you murdered two people. And there you are. Leaving behind a murder scene that would make Jack the Ripper jealous. Walking around free. Tweeting around free. I don't know if you all realize this, but you could be with your family at a buffet and OJ could come walking in. Hide your family, here comes OJ the slasher. I'd rather see Michael Myers or Jason from Friday the 13th walking in for a buffet. It would be less shocking to see a 50-year-old decaying lake zombie monster wearing a hockey mask than eating my prime rib and fried chicken and look up and see O.J. Oh, didn't you get away with murder? Yes, honey. Keep eating your lobster bisque. Hell no. Sorry, kids. We gotta go. And what if you're out at the casino by yourself or with friends? Playing slots or something? And OJ comes up behind you. Fuck that. There is a real possibility that you could go to Vegas for a fun weekend, play slots, and then get stabbed by OJ with Ginsu knives. I don't want to die in the penny slots area. So please, OJ, just go away. And it's about time for me to go away. That's all I got for today. It's a fantastic win. I really don't want to buy weight, but the team needs it. Hopefully we come back with guys recovered. We'll be expecting Gabe Jackson back for sure. Tyrell Williams, hopefully J.J. Nelson. Um, enjoy this win. This team is looking good. Have confidence. and Be excited for the future. Be excited for that next game. It's going to be a big test. And we'll hopefully have a review on that. Raider Nation, like the team, is tough, resilient, and loyal. Every time the Raiders step on a football field, it's us against the world. Us against everyone. Everyone always has the advantage on us. That's what makes us special. Because it doesn't matter. We will still come out victorious. So as always, keep it silver and black. There's only one nation, baby. And it certainly ain't the hair trimming nation. Go Lakers. I'll see you guys next time.